This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 509, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 509. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Hello. And Ron Richards. I've returned. You, oh, that's right. You were gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How, how quickly you forget. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We're it was like being the two of us. For Josh and I, it was just like going home again. For, oh, sure it was. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, the, the two jamokes of the status quo now. I see how it is. <laughs> then uh, Douglas MacArthur comes in. I have returned. Come on, man. <laughs> and uh, three of us are right. there. Slight war corner. <laughs> Three of us are a fanboy, and we like comics. Every week we read a bunch of comics, one of us picks their favorite book. We call that the pick of the week. We'll talk about that book, other books. We'll maybe do some listener mail if you're lucky, if you're good this week. And uh, basically try to have fun. And here's your spoiler warning. It's a review show, so there'll be some spoilers. Exercise some caution. And this week we're kicking off the show with Star Wars Corner. Yes. Ron has the pick. Yeah, so uh, as, as you know, we've been doing a lot of Star Wars talk. and, uh, and uh, <laughs> I think- yeah, we have, haven't we? I think so. I don't know if it's more than normal. <laughs> the normal amount of Star Wars films. Um, but I am willing to go out on a limb and say that uh, Chewbacca, the miniseries written by Jerry Duggan with art by Phil Noto, is possibly the best Star Wars that Marvel's done as of yet. Right. From what I've read, that seems to be a pretty long limb you're going on. <laughs> that's... that's uh, that is one opinion. Yeah, well, at least uh, at least of the character-based miniseries. I mean, this is uh, this is already way better than Lando. And um uh but I, I this Listen, is just Ron, a, it's your opinion. You don't have to justify it. I know, it. I know. I, well, then the fact that well, he wants us show. to both be here saying, "Yeah, but we're both like, well." <laughs> so he's he's swimming. All I got to say is that I love this. This is fantastic. I think that I I, I this is a great little isolated story that is lives in the world of Star Wars but isn't dependent on Jar Jar or or any Gungans or any yeah. any any of the bad parts of Star Wars but also is completely, you know, divorced from the main, you know, kind of the the, the original trilogy or anything like that. It's just a Chewbacca on a planet getting roped in to helping a, a little girl and you know and and in doing so Duggan and Noto are really kind of working really well together to get across a lot of subtle storytelling with the fact that you have a char- a main character who growls and does and doesn't speak English you know um i and i think that you know that was when when they announced that they were doing a chewbacca miniseries i was like oh how are they going to do that and they've done and they've done it really really well and we've gotten you know they've utilized um you know the visual storytelling you know, in terms of you know, like uh, so, in this issue, basically, what has happened is is that uh, the, the 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 to set the stage is that there's a planet where there's an evil warlord who has enslaved a bunch of people in mines to make him money, and one of those slaves has a daughter, a teen daughter who escaped, and when she escaped, she ran into Chewbacca and she begged him to help her. And now Chewbacca is on board to help, and they're they're figuring out a plan to get her father and the other slaves out. and um, and in doing so, part of the plan calls for Chewbacca to go down a, a small, 
you know, kind of a, a a vent, not a vent, but a shaft. You know, like a like a like a you know, like a tr- of, trash compactor. Yeah, like a trash compactor. Yeah. And if you remember in A New Hope, or, you know, in Episode Four, Chewie didn't want to go down the trash compactor, right. and and he smelled something he didn't like. Yeah, exactly. And 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 in this, as he goes down, we see him kind of go back to a flashback of his time in captivity. And he has memories of being, you know, netted by, you know, by Trandoshan slavers and being pushed into a cell that is too small for him. And he's he's claustrophobic and he, he immediately has that flashback and then crawls back out because he can't do it. So are I, we I, saying that that him complaining about the smell was a cover in, in episode four? Or maybe misinterpretation by Han. That's well, what he I was think, I think, talking yeah. to him. He said, I don't care what you smell, and indicates Chewie yeah, said, I but, don't like my smell down but there. But I talk to my dog like that all the time. Exactly, exactly. I don't know what the dog wants, and I'm just Han like, oh, come on, you're fine. Chewie. Han actually, doesn't talk to Chewie. You, Han doesn't know Wookiee. Yes, he does. He understands uh, him all the time. I don't know about that. I think I, I think I think he comes close. He comes within like a 75% success ratio. How would that's they be why, able to have a partnership if they couldn't come That's why, well, we could barely communicate for years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not talking about our relationship problems. Uh, <laughs> but um Well I think that part of part of the reason that, that Chewbacca's always yelling is that he's like, No, I understand you perfect. It's like when you're on uh, on the phone and that person's going, Can you hear me? And you're going, Yes, I can hear you, and they can't hear you. That's what Chewbacca feels like. And yep. he's just like, Oh, forget it. Snap. Yep. It's a hydro spanner. So so anyway, so that, uh, that three page sequence that you're talking about though, yeah. it was the standout in the issue for me. Well there, really, there, there for me there were two standouts. It was that and go on and then I've got another one, but go on about this. Well, I, I really like the bit where he, he looks at the hole, goes back down into the hole, <laughs> then comes back out of the hole. <laughs> Good one. Thank you. Um I like that he went down in, and then like we get a page, like it's a three-page sequence, yeah. And there's no dialogue, really. Uh, and then he comes back out, and he just yells at it. Ah, hole! <laughs> I just and and then that's sort of what you're talking about because like you have to rely on what is the strength of comic book storytelling is you know visual storytelling. But in that three-page, not not a lot happens, but also a lot does happen. I, I really liked it. Yeah, and then and you know and and then you know it continues on where it go, goes back to the girl and they're in the sh- in the mine shaft and they don't know what's what's happening. You don't know if Chewie's going to make it. And then you get this great little panel of the the, the bad guys kind of confronting them. And you just see Chewie's head come down through the shaft, and then and then you get a great single page sequence of the girl reacting and the shadows of Chewie just wrecking. You know, just being the badass that he is. Um, and that was fun. But then the other high point of the, of the issue for me was, so now they're in the mine shaft and they need to get out and there are these droids with blasters or whatever. And Chewie's got his bowcaster, but he realizes that he quickly needs something else. And so he MacGyvers the shit out of a gonk droid. He, uh, he grabs a gonk droid and, 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 uh, a metal pole and some wires and makes a electrical stick that he can short out droids with. And it's because like, if he fires his blasters, all the yeah. stuff that they're mining would, would yeah. explode. Yeah. So, so, so thinking on his feet. You know, ingenuity. Chewbacca is the hero that we need. So there you go. <laughs> how much of your love for the? And I'm not denigrating Jerry Duggan at all. How much of it is the Noto art? Oh, but but it's it's but that's the thing is that like I'm a huge Jerry Duggan fan too. And yeah, so yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. So the the Noto art is a huge aspect of it. But I really think that these guys are collaborating in a like they, like these guys should work together post Chewbacca and other things. They well they did. Yeah. Um, what's the name of that series? The Infinite uh, Horizon. Yeah. Infinite Horizon. Yes, you're right. Infinite I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. they you know they have a they have a history together. Yeah, they, they had. They that was a creator on project before when like okay. 
if uh, Doug and Noda did that today at Image, yeah. they'd sell a bajillion copies. But they yeah. did it before that. And so like it was one of those labor of loves that took them years and years and that years to like finish. That was like 2007. Yeah, that yeah. Was ages ago. Uh, um, so they did. But also, Noto has Noto has gotten a lot better with his Absolutely. storytelling since then. That's yeah. that's back when he was still mostly really good at pinups. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, was, it was it was okay, but it was a little stiff. He's much much better now. He's grown. Oh, a yeah, lot. No, this is much more loose. And also, let's let's not let's not leave out the fact that he did in fact put the mustache on the Wookie. Yes, he did. It's a clearly defined Wookie mustache. Yep, that is a Wookie mustache. That he has a mustache. Yeah, yeah right. But I know, and you know, and, yeah. and the people should be able. I just, I just want them to appreciate it because it was the seventies when he was created. <laughs> he's, he's basically the Burt Reynolds of the team. In yeah. fact, that's why Burt Reynolds wasn't cast. I don't know if people don't know that know that or not. Is that because they didn't want two mustaches? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it would have been weird. What kind of cars this guy drive? And the and the you know it's the Carillion Corvette. It's basically two mustached guys driving a Corvette around space. If you think about it, <laughs> which is pretty badass. Um, so I like the idea that. They're keeping the uh, story that Chewie was a slave because that was an that was an EU thing that was a, a book. And, thing. I, and I, I think that's a big part of his character, you know. Like I think that's you know def, definitely you know like what makes what makes you understand you know kind of what his disdain for the Empire is, and then also he's you know like he and and it it bridges the gap between this girl's you know kind of situation and why Chewie couldn't just walk away. Yeah. Um, so I think I think life debt. Yeah, exactly. It works in it works in lo- lots of levels, and also Chewie's you know he's loyal and he's a good dude, and yeah. So I, so this this week they also announced they're doing an Obi Wan and Anakin book, and my question for you guys is, uh, at what point will they be doing more Star Wars books than superhero books? That's a good well, well, but my rea- I, I believe I, I, I posted in our chat room, I think you were out, out of town, Connor, but uh, when that announcement of Obi-Wan and Anakin came out, I said, wow, I can't think of a book I, I want to read less. Like you're I don't. Gonna, you're going to read it, though. I, no, I'm not going to read that. I'm yes, gonna, you are. You'll read no. episode one. You'll read episode no, one. No, it's, it's, it's one. Soul. Of course, it's Charles Soul, and it's somebody else that doesn't, you know, like, it, it just, it's, it, the thing is, is oh, that, like, uh, oh. oh, it's Chiquetto again. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's the same dude who did the thing with Rucka. Yeah, which is you know continuing. We're gonna, I, I believe, we'll see. We're continuing. The trend now is artists who excel at photo referencing. Yeah. yeah, excel is relative there. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> who who focus on photo referencing and yeah, but I, I mean, don't, I don't believe you're not going to give the first issue a shot. No more than I believe Josh at the time that he was going to not read Darth Vader, and we know from last week that he continued to read Darth Vader. So yeah, yeah. I don't believe it. I don't, don't believe it. Don't believe the hype. I will um, probably read that first issue. I will probably read the first issue, but it's it's going to take see, a lot. See? It's going to take a lot to stick with it because and 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 Soul's on. He's on. I mean, after Lando, it's it's you know like it's it's on thin ice. Well, this so. is a gravy train for these creators. I mean, you're gonna. I think oh, you're gonna sure, see a yeah. lot of these guys doing multiple Star Wars books because oh, right yeah. now these things have seen no sign of flacking. And if this movie is at, at all any good. Yeah, Those, these books are going to take off even more. Well, what's what's also interesting is what I think is that I from and these are these are my observations. I, I do not have privileged information or anything like that. But from my observation, it, it seems as if a lot of these creators, and you know, specifically pointing to the Star Wars book with you know by Jason Aaron and and with Cassidy and then Eminem, um, 
like they want to the sense I get is that they want to make stuff that matters but I wonder how much Lucasfilm is gonna let them and I wouldn't be surprised if we see more stuff like this Chewbacca which is like a little mini series that is just a tale of and they should do it that way that's the way they should be doing it but it's not it's not marking the legend it's exactly. not making new, yeah. new yeah canon. exactly but the, I think I think the comic creators but, the, but I think the comic creators want to add to the legend you know like like look look at what, what Aaron did with, with you know the Hans White and all that sort of stuff. I think that's what interests the creators, you know. So it's it's an interesting it's an interesting balance. I think. I don't know. I think you have a lot of creators who just want to tell a Star Wars story. Uh, I think I have a lot of creators who just want that royalty check, which well, I would I don't blame them can, either. That can yeah. fund a lot of stories that yeah. they want to tell somewhere exactly. else. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or a boat. That too. <laughs> yeah. You know that's. That's the way that real people invest their money. So, uh, Maybe I should make more of these money losing comics. <laughs> or you know, put it in an IRA. You yeah. know, one of those things. Let's let's not let's let's not. Let's not be ridiculous. What are we, what are we living for, man? So uh, this week, we so any, anything more on Chewbacca? I feel like we're, no, we're back. I'm good, I think we're good on Chewbacca. Yeah. We any more notes on this on this issue? <laughs> so move on to the next issue. Um, <laughs> that's weird. Black Magic number one came out from Image <laughs> Comics. Greg Rucka and Nicola Scott. I was very excited to see this creative team uh, together. Two of my favorite, <laughs> my, my favorite writers, one of my favorite pencilers. And, and there's then, a when, history there, in that in that she was supposed to be doing a queen and country arc mm-hmm. but it never came together and now that's it was very unlikely that it would happen so this yeah. is this is what we get instead of that and uh in the first couple of pages i was like oh oh god i don't know if i'm able to read this but right yeah i had the exact same i was like because i was so excited for this because i, I like we love nicola scott's work at dc and thought it was great and we all know how great rucka is and we know that they like it, they seem like two creators that on paper should should go great together and i opened this up and i was like oh and i never i never Say stuff like this, but yeah. as I was reading, and I thought, man, if I was writing this, I would take all the air out of the scene with something ridiculous, and that's exactly what he did. Yep. Um, so it was good because at first I was like, if this is like super deep magic book, I'm not gonna, I'm not yep. gonna be able to do it. Yeah, no, it was, it, it was, it was definitely, it was definitely a uh, for me, it was a like initial starting point, like not what I expected, and then I stuck with it, and then by the end of it, I, I'm like, ah, got it, okay, cool, and then and then I'm on board. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was I mean, this was I mean, yeah. It was really good. This is a book about a a, a cop who is also a practicing witch in like a real witch. Like, like a, in like contemporary a, times now. Like a yeah. Salem's witch. She's 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 from a long line of witches going back to Salem. And we don't know much other than she has to uh, fix a hostage situation which she's been uh, requested personally and the man in, who's holding the hostages knows she's a witch and tries to burn her like a witch. And I, one of the great things about this issue was that it's all black and white grayscale up until the, f- the final moment when there's a giant fire and someone's on fire. It, spoiler, it's the hostage taker. And it's all colorful and, and you know, full color. And I thought that was a really great, impactful yeah. moment. Well, yeah, I, that, that's the thing because the, the art really surprised me because the art is more kind of a grayscale almost reminds me a lot of J.H. Williams' work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it yep. was not what it was not what I expected, and then it also and like and that it wasn't what I expected, and then maybe about halfway through I realized I was like, oh, maybe this is her art, and just what DC's been doing to it with the superhero coloring and all that sort of stuff, you know, like the, like then I was like, oh, maybe this is a more accurate representation of what she wants to express herself, and then it got to the end with the color burst, and I was like, oh, okay, cool, I'm, I, I see what's going on, so yeah. So I, one of the things that was I, I had seen earlier in the day that it came out, I, Mike Norton, artist, uh, had said like tweeted something and he, and he was just saying you know like the in the first six pages <laughs> in the first six pages of this it, it's the best work that Nicola Scott's ever done, 
Yeah. And I had that in my 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 mind when I started, and you you get that sort of weird beginning, and I was like, I wouldn't even be able to tell you that this was Nicole Scott. Yeah. And as I kept going through with it, I was like, God, he's right. Like this is great. Yeah, it's really yeah. It's yep. a it's very beautiful, different thing altogether uh, than we than we've seen her do. Oh, and the, the bones are there, you know, but the, the structure, yeah. the faces, definitely Nicole Scott faces. But you're right; it's almost like it's um, pencil, a full penciled page as opposed to well, ink. Well, it's like a digital ink wash kind of thing, right. going, I yeah. think, and uh, the grayscale. And I, it looks I, like I raw really pencils. Liked, yeah, I, I was, uh, and I actually think that it got better um, as yes. it went through it. All the sort of faces of the people congealed. Uh, it was kind of fuzzy at first, I think, on purpose. Um, but it, she, it's she, like, go ahead. her faces no. are, it almost looks like a photo, but like that started off as a cartoon. It's really interesting. Like it. It, it almost looks like it's photo reference, and then you look closer, and it's like, oh, it's it, it's not though. And no, it's not at I all. Really she, that. She's one of the best um, mainstream artists who does acting on yeah. people. We've always said that. I've said it at least. Um, you know, you've got your Terry Moores and people like that, and Kevin McGuire's. But she's to me, she one of the things that stands her apart is, even though she has a look, she has a, a definite look to her characters. They've always had distinct faces. Yeah. And so this is going to be. One of those books, we often talk, joke on the show that we don't remember anybody's names because everybody looks the same, but even though she has a look about her and her, you can, her art is unmistakable, her characters always look distinct. There's, you know, there's a scene where they're getting ready to you know, send her into the hostage situation and there's a bunch of cops and they are all different, completely different looking people. They don't just look like a stock male yeah. character. And, uh, and she's always good at showing emotion on them as well. There's a yeah. shot where she, the guy's holding the gun up to her chin and you can, her fa- that face there is just haunting them, her face. Yeah. Um, she's really, really, really good at, uh, yep. uh, at that stuff. She's one of the best artists out there. So yeah. that was, uh, yeah. That, and she was the story for me on this. It was. Uh, did you I, I enjoy the story? Because it's not not really your I, kind of thing. I did. I, I did enough that I, I you know, I want to stick with it. It's, uh, you know, it, it's it's Dexy from Stumptown as a witch and a cop. So far, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of, kind, of, kind of the thing that's happening. But I don't know. Uh, there was Bush, so there's that. <laughs> um, sorry, that was, I was like, I went back to look at them. And I was like, oh, look, they're all naked. Look at that. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> well, there's also talking balls. Yep, I'm in. I'm in. I, I mean, I don't. I haven't loved every single thing that Ruck has done lately, but uh, but he's a he's a big favorite still, you know. And 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 I, I, it's always good for me when there's a creator-owned project where the 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 people are excited to work with each other. And these two, two people have been talking about working with each other for a really long time. And so you have a feeling like this was cemented really well. And, and so they're going to be energized and excited working on it. And I, that, that usually comes through to the page. Now, Josh, All-Star Section 8, number 5. This is a series that we were really excited for when it started. We were really excited for a couple of issues. And then we, our excitement level dropped. And I'm going to tell you something that you probably find uh, surprising is that I really had fun with this issue after the first couple of pages where I wasn't sure, I sort of let, let myself go with the concept of a sort of black exploitation version of Phantom, Phantom Stranger and uh, I had enjoyed it. Well, it's interesting that you say that because uh, the next book that is on our list here, I have a very similar mm-hmm. experience with um, and we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, I see what you are saying and I, I don't, I, I, th- I, I just think that it's not. It's one of those things. Like I think we went. We're we're too far. Like they, yeah. they can't support all this. And we just yeah. what we talked about we before. But, yeah. I, but I do like the concept of just, which is you know, Garth Ennis is thinking you're gonna let me do superheroes. I'm gonna do whatever I want with them. And so I like that. 
but I, I, I don't. I'm five issues in. Is it probably going to be eight, six, whatever? I assume six. I think Superman's probably the wrap up. Yeah, I've had it. I've had enough. Uh, <laughs> however, what I have not had enough of, um, oddly enough, like the McCray art in this is wonderful. Like it really is like being back in again. I'm, I'm really enjoying that part of it. Um, I did enjoy. I did enjoy this one probably more than some of the other ones. Once, once it got past the beginning, I think it, this one broke the fourth wall a lot. Yeah, like. Yeah. I was like Jen Grunewald is name checked. Oh really? Uh, oh, there was a whole page where they tried to sell trades. <laughs> yeah, buy the, yeah, buy the trades. And I was like, I don't know if that's funny or or bad or what, but I'm I'm glad. They, and then that stupid Superman costume shows up, and I was like, no. <laughs> it, it looks even worse by people who don't draw it, normally draw it. Yep. Yeah. But I I I kind of just had to let myself go with it because. I, I don't know what to make of this. And I didn't really like the last couple of issues. And I was just like, all right, I just want to finish it. And I've always loved the Phantom Stranger. And the fact that he looks like a black exploitation character. Yeah, it makes sense. That, it makes kind of sense that he would talk like, like even though there's no. There was a little bit of me it. reading it. There was a little bit of me reading it going, is this okay? <laughs> because it was very. Well, that's a lot of Garth Ennis's stuff, which I think I like about it. He doesn't yeah. Care. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. The, yeah. I also like seeing the original team. Well, I was going to say that was actually my favorite part, and and those those guys, Jean de Baton de Baton, that's just <laughs> funny. It's just funny, and I don't know why. <laughs> like I can't. It's fun to say. It is, and, and de like that. De Baton de Baton. Um, yeah, it was really fun to see those guys again. Um, I <laughs> I like the fact about the the little bit about the dog welder. <laughs> he welds dogs to people. So he's in hell. Yeah, yeah of course. It was, it Makes it was sense. Funny. I think the uh, grappler joke is now uh, I've had enough of it. Although it's possible that the grappler could go on long enough that it will become funny again. Basically, more. the character just continues repeating his name. I'm the grappler. That's the joke. Full stop. Yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll be happy when it's over. That original team was great, though. Like yeah. looking at them, I was like, "All right, these ones, the defenestrator." <laughs> <laughs> you think he ever gets annoyed? He's constantly carrying a window around. That's <laughs> what he does. Mm, that's who he is. That's what he's, what he's about. So, in that same sense, uh, Superman forty-five, uh, which I've been I've been following along the whole time, and this really was the issue that I kind of was like, I don't really care where this is in the context of everything else. It's quite strange, and I think I like it because of that. And also, I think that Howard Porter is a much better fit on this than John Romita was. Mm. I was actually, I really liked the Howard Porter art on this. Yeah, There's Porter. been stuff that he's done before that felt uh, out of time. Like, you know, it looked maybe more like what he was doing in the 90s. Um, and I, I thought this looked great. I really. This is the I, style he's been using in Justice League 3000. Yeah. yeah it's, it's good. It's, it's really good. Um, and I like, I was thinking, I was like, oh, I don't have to look at Superman in that stupid costume. I don't, like, I was just reading this story. And mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking about the, con- the context of anything else or wherever it was. And it's it's Superman, the character, but with a whole other set of circumstances. Um, you know where he's got where he's broke. He's got no money. Which I, I'm trying of... to decide if, and I put the book down and thought about this for for a good two hours. Um, if Superman, super well, I didn't I didn't want to spend a lot of time thinking about it. Sure. If Superman engaging in a superhero fight club because he needs money was the high point or low point of this superstitious Superman. I can't decide. And that's what makes it interesting. And that's exactly sort of where 
where I was with that. So because you don't know, so if, if, if you're listening at home, basically comes along this super-powered fight club kind of thing, and the idea is that he finds out, he rushes in, he's like, that's not right, and then he finds out that what's actually happening is these are gods who are on the verge of being forgotten, so they're trying to build up. The, was, I like a that concept. apart. So this is a concept not, we've heard. Yeah, gods from other cultures are fighting in this fight club so that people will remember them and chant their names and, wor- in a sense, worship them so they'll stay alive. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um... It's a Gaiman-esque concept. Um, and so the end is she makes him an offer, you know, $500 to fight, which, by the way, doesn't seem all that much, but actually oh. probably economically realistic. He's and Superman. He's he should get some of the gate. He spent $20 on tacos, though. He was very, very hungry. I like that he's hungry all the time. He doesn't have any money. He's a bum. He's, a, <laughs> so, he's so just he, a bum. He's, he agrees he's, he's to it. He's a DC hobo, and he's taking yeah. over Hal Jordan. Uh, <laughs> So he agrees to it, and um, but we don't know why, really. Maybe you know he's, he's playing another game right now, and I, I assume that's it. I but think he's not, he's, some, we're not playing his game. I think oh. there's some value in Superman being sort of homeless and having to experience life through that lens. That that, that is that could be a very interesting story. Um, yeah, and it's also I, I don't care a, a bit about this Hoder. Whatever bad guy group that's right. him. I don't. Every time that part comes up, I just go, I yeah. don't want this anymore. That's so. true. I, I agree with that. But I, I liked him having. I liked like he had to sneak into the place because he couldn't pay the cover. Um, <laughs> and he was like, he, oh, Ron, he is he is sleeping on a couch away from being Hal Jordan from the, from ten years ago. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> it kind of is. So if I think of it. I guess like a like an Elseworld story written by right. Gene Yang, who's a very unusual choice for Superman, right. uh, based on his work. And I and I put all that together, and I look at it through the lens. I I was able to enjoy this, and I've liked it more. And I I think the art change made a big difference. Yes, so I, I don't know. With you. I love I love Ramita, but I think this actually worked better. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> Especially for the story they're telling. Ramita is a big. It's science a big, superhero yeah, action yeah. storyteller, and this is a very small, intimate story. Yeah. Right. I don't and, know. Right, and I, and I can just you know you can almost just see him in his desk going, "I got to draw him sneaking into a building." That's what we're doing with Superman. It's Superman. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> sign up for this. Yeah. Um, so that that will do for those comics, and we'll go to more. But first, uh, you can go to ifanbar.com/support if you like what we're doing. Uh, if you want to help support the show and uh, and uh, chip in. Uh, in this this new internet economy, there's a couple of things you can do there. You can use our Amazon link as we get closer to the holidays, and you're 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 buying stuff for mostly yourself, but probably others. Use that link, and you will contribute uh, directly to the show. And you don't have to do a thing; it won't cost you anything. Um, and that's a big deal for us. Uh, so make sure you bookmark that link. And there are other podcasts and websites who want you to use their link. And what I would tell you is that don't. Screw them. Just, just use ours. Tell them to go screw. Yeah, go screw. Do those people have War Corner? I don't think so. Unless you want to use the Goodfellas Minute link. That's fine, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fine. They both go to the same place. I think it's the same link. It's the same link. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, they know. Uh, there are also iFanboy memberships where you can contribute directly uh, in the form of uh, cash currency. Uh, you can do $3 a month or $30 a year if you want to just sign up for a thing and not think about it. If you think that this is a thing that is worth it in your life. Um, or you can donate any amount that you'd like to just chip in. Because uh, that's how we support the things that we love today uh, in a world where so many things are free. Um, and that's all. Thank you. All right. So moving <laughs> on. Welcome, moving on. Uh, it, 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 talking to you. Oh, I it, it was a it was this interesting it was a it was a lighter week after a couple of weeks of just relentless releases. Yeah, I, I almost I checked the calendar to see if it was a fifth week, but it, it wasn't. So uh, yeah, I felt yeah. the same thing, and I also yeah. felt very good. I didn't have to pick. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Chewbacca. So, um, uh, <laughs> but but in in those light weeks, you know, it's often a good time to try something new. And and with with uh, Marvel kind of relaunching this month or whatever they're doing, and even though the event isn't over, um, we are seeing some new series start. And one of those that I I, I grabbed the first issue Did of the you check- say series is series is series is okay. Um, <laughs> one of one of those that I uh, wanted to check out, uh, which I hadn't uh, checked out previously was the first issue of the unbeatable squirrel girl uh the first issue came out this week uh which this squirrel girl along with howard the duck and a couple other books are really taking liberties like i'm kind of surprised they're getting away with what they're doing Mm -hmm. um like on the cover it says only our second number one so far this year (laughs) which like that that is in the old marvel style right that sort of fits that whole um not brandak and yeah exactly yeah but but again you just got to wonder how much rope they're getting you know like uh, not much yeah exactly but uh so this is uh this is uh written by ryan north with art by erica henderson and this you know every now and then marvel likes to flirt with doing books like this which is by like like indie or alternative creators and yes they're superheroes but they're more humor than than super heroics and it's you know and th- like this could be a book if you took away the squirrel girl character and invented some other you know kind of you know genre for it, this could be an oni book or a top shelf book or like some other you know like a a smaller independent publisher um just in terms of the 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 art style as well as the um the the sense of humor so it's nice to see marvel taking those risks but i just don't see how this how this can continue do you, you know, like i just don't see how it survives you know when, um, when we saw squirrel girl last it was one of those avengers books that we didn't like yeah and you didn't especially like the way they design had her looking and is it the same design of the giant teeth and no uh, no the, the, she does have she does have like prominent two front teeth but they're not like 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 that wasn't that Avengers book, yeah. like they, they, freakish. It's, yeah, freakish. Yeah, this is more you know along those lines. But um, but what's what's great about this is this the uh, I I had fun reading it. It was a lot of fun. Every page has very small text at the very bottom of it, underneath the bottom panels, um, kind of with an ongoing narrative, you know, which we've seen before in comics, but it's always fun, you know, kind of like adding kind of like a, a commentary as to what's going on on the page. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was amusing. It was fun. And a lot of, a lot of little sight gags kind of a la Chew, you know, where, um, you know, at one point they're unpacking in a new apartment and every box has got what's on it and in, in, what's inside of it. And, and, and in a very, you know, kind of humorous manner or at the end of it, they end up at a, at a food court, uh, on Avengers Island, and and the names of the food shops are like Waffle X program and and Buy Odin's beer, and you know <laughs> like things like that. So like little sight gags and things like that. So they're fun. I mean, it's it's definitely a fun loving kind of title. But again, I just don't see how it exists. I mean, how it continues. You know? Enjoy while it lasts. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I was surprised to see you, Ron, put this book on the list to talk about. Oh yeah. Uh, well, first off, so we've been enjoying Star Wars. What is it? Star Wars: The Force, of, The Road to the Force Awakens, Shattered, whatever it is. Whatever. I don't know that we've been enjoying it. Yeah. Well, we've been enjoying that title. Road to right? Star Wars: The Force Awakens, Shattered Empire. Journey to Star Wars: The Journey for- Yeah. Journey. Journey to Star Wars: The Force Awakens, Shattered Empire. Yeah. So book d- one. DC couldn't let that stand, and so now what we got is Justice League: The Dark Side War, Batman number one. And um, I read this, and I just cracked up because it's Batman sitting in a chair for an entire issue. Remember when? Remember when that rumor went around? He wasn't ever allowed to be shown sitting. Yes. Yeah. With issue. This is the the Batmetron thing I've been seeing. Yes. Yeah. yeah, So at the end of the last issue of Justice League, which is in the middle of the Dark Side War, Dark Side died. 
And all of the Justice League were imbued with powers of the gods. Batman had already been Metron for a couple of issues, but all the Justice League now have powers. Oh, but but this is just but it's hysterical because so Batman is Metron, and it's just him going around Gotham staring at people. <laughs> <laughs> like that's how I sum it up, basically. It just like it is the most ridiculous thing I've ever read. It's, it's like, weird, dude. It's yeah, weird. Right? It's just like. <laughs> He goes. He goes back to the cave, and Alfred wants to make him food. He's like, "I do not require food." Yeah, and he's like, "He's like, I can get out of this chair whenever I want. I just don't want to right now." Like, just like, and, and, and like, there's a lot of leaning, a lot of leaning in to talk to people, and it's just. Like, and also, the chair is enormous, and there's one there's one scene where he's in an apartment, and it's a tiny apartment. It's like, how yeah, did he get that? How did he get the chair in? It's like, excuse me, this is a studio apartment. I don't have the square footage for your giant throne chair. It's just. Like, so weird, so weird, and he like and he uses the chair to go back to to go back in time and watch his parents get murdered, and then he goes to find Joe Joe Chill in the in the prison and like just and just tortures them, but then makes them forget, and it's just like it's like why why and Alfred has a hand, I don't know well, what's going this, on. Because this this particular storyline takes place in the past, as you'll know, we're watching Bruce Wayne here, and not yeah. not Jim Gordon. I know. Yeah, uh, Gordon's got a mustache. Yeah, yeah. There's a, yeah. I didn't really like Gordon's portrayal in the first scene. He seems very. Yeah, angry. I know. Yeah. So, but anyway, this is. I mean, just uh, Batman in the Metron chair is. Just it was ridiculous. For it's sure. absolutely ridiculous. So, yeah. So. Uh, yes. <laughs> just right. staring just at people. Heavy sigh. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we haven't checked in on Chew on a while, in a while. Uh, they're in the. I think they're run up to ending the series pretty soon. I think it's yep. around sixty. Think sixty. 60, 60 yeah. Yep, yep. So issue fifty one was this weekend, and, and we don't talk about it a lot anymore. And I'm actually still reading it and still into it, enjoying it. And I just wanted to touch base because I I like this. And one of the things I thought that was really fun about it is that this is one of those books, and I like it because it has the voice of both of the creators all yes. over the page. And you'd mentioned in Squirrel Girl the, the the Easter eggs and just the things going on in the background. And I, I love how Rob Guillory just puts in a ton of stuff uh, that he, that like is him. Like there's this, basically the beginning is, is uh, we go and we're seeing, we're seeing heaven. Uh, we're Tony, the older, the female Tony Chew. And is it Antoinette? I forget. Uh, she was killed and she's up in heaven. And in this version of heaven, like there's just a street where they have a pile of mats that you can take a nap on, and there's just people napping in the street. And I know that Rob loves that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and there's a really fun. It sounds like you're kind of heaven. That too. Well, that's why Rob and I get along. Um, I was like, all oh, right, yeah, he's, he just wants to take a nap there. Um, but we we flash forward and we're we flash forward two years and we're seeing what um, sort of what has come along uh, with Olive, uh, Tony Chu's uh, daughter, and and after sort of the big aftermath of everything that just happened. Um, and how she ends up in the FDA and why she's more powerful than everybody else. And it's uh, it's just a lot of fun. And it's like they're they're covering a ton of ground now because they've done so much explaining of everything. They can just sort of zip through stuff and, and, and sort of show what's happening and, and set up for sort of the big finale. Um, and there's a really great Jaws uh, single page thing at the base joke at the end. So I liked that too. It's basically at this point they're making the book for you. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Which is fine. It's fine. I know. I do know that... I'm pretty sure that when somebody some somebody puts a donut or Jaws in a comic book, there's a big there's a point there's there's a good chance that at some point in there thinking I bet Josh is gonna like this, and I like that. <laughs> I like that that's my place in comics. It's not. Listen, I'm not Jack Kirby. That's not gonna be that. They're not gonna talk about me, but there'll be a little something in there. I enjoy that you th- you think that you're a consideration in these books. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just even more more, more amusing. So. Not all of them. Not all <laughs> I enjoy that you think you're a consideration in any of them. <laughs> I'm gonna follow up on that. 
No. So uh, I'm going to throw a little. What do you think when you were drawing or writing this? I'll ask them both. We should do it on the final show before, yeah. we, before we burn it down. <laughs> uh, I'm going to throw an audible here and talk about the two books together because they're somewhat linked. Batman and Robin Eternal 3, if you recall, last week, number two was the pick of the week. And it ended with a giant uh, mob of people with hatchets that Josh and I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, this issue, the cover, features a bunch of hatchet people. And then we get the resolution to the hatchet fight, which uh, is fun because they use a lot of kitchen utensils, including um, Dick Grayson uses a giant wedge of cheese to knock somebody out, which I enjoyed. Nice. But um, so this, this, we talked last week how it's basically becoming a book where all the Batman kids are solving a mystery like the Scooby Gang, which I enjoy. And we had uh, Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, Tim Drake, Cass- Cassandra Kane, uh, Harper Rowe, and Stephanie Brown. And now to this mix, we add Barbara Gordon and the gang from We Are Robin. So it's a lot of... A lot of sidekicks running around in this book right now, um, which I enjoy because I was wondering when that was going to happen. And so what, this was fun, and there's a brief reference here to Batgirl 45, which came out this week, in which uh, and it's, it's, it's in a scene where Barbara and Dick are talking really briefly. And so that was like a knife twist because I read this book last because previously I read Batgirl 45, in which they fucking kicked me in the gut over and over and over and over and over again, in which... Uh, the cover is Batgirl and Dick Grayson at a wedding, like a photo booth style, sort of. And in this issue of Batgirl 45, Barbara's at a wedding. She's a, she's a, not a, bridesmaid, well, she's a bridesmaid, and she's there with her date, Lucius Fox's son, Luke Fox, who's also Batwing, if you know, know these things. And uh, Dick shows up to say, hey, guess what? I've always loved you. Oh. And she says, oh, uh, go away. I've got a boyfriend. Oh. You, oh. I, thought, I thought you were dead. Uh, that, that hurt my feelings. I've got a boyfriend. Go away. And I was just like, why do they have to destroy everything I love? Ugh. Everything I love. Wow. You all right? I'm, I'm, uh, well, I was all right until the final panel of the book was Dick watching them from a rooftop, watching them dance at the wedding and look at the look on his face. And it was just oh, like, I don't bring them like any of this. You oh. can't bring them together, though. No. You can't have that. You can't, but I you can't. can't close the door so definitively. Well, it's oh. comics. It's nothing. It hurt my feelings, Josh. The melodrama. Oh, man. Feelings. Wow. All right. Well, Connor, while you sit with that, uh, so I saw... Wait, wait, wait. Wait. You okay? I'm going to have a drink. All right. All right that's you fair. Guys keep talking. I don't blame you. Uh, so similar to the unbeatable Squirrel Girl, I, I took a flyer and gave a shot on a new series, for, another new series from Marvel, um, The Howling Commandos of S.H.I.E.L.D. number one. And I was delighted to see that it was written by Frank Barbieri uh, of Five Ghost fame, who's, who I think is a good, great up-and-coming writer, and art by Brent uh, Scootover, which, uh, Josh, you're, you're a big fan Didn't of. Didn't he just draw a book yeah. last week? Yeah. He did, and I think that one of the—I mean, my note on this is that um, you can see the, the wow. fact that the story is really seeping into the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's twice now. Yeah, uh, I'm, not, I'm not complaining. I'm just no, saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing about the, the his story in the Back to the Future story last week is the production was uh, not great. Like the coloring wasn't very good, and it didn't suit him, and it didn't help him. Um, whereas with this, it was a, a much more uh, high level of, of coloring and production. So I thought. I thought it was a much better looking book. Yeah, um, I, did, I didn't take a flyer in this because I figured it would involve LMD. Um, dum, it dum, does. Dum. Yeah, it, it does. It, it, it is yeah. very much a part of the story. Yeah, which which I, uh, I hadn't read the other thing about that, uh-huh. uh, but it is stupid. Yeah, I, and what's I, stupid but, about it is now they make it. I mean, despite the the idea of it and making him in Nick Fury LMDs is horrible. It's a horrible original sin. Well, now they're running but, with it. 
But yeah, but that's, that's what I mean. What they're doing now is they're making it all about that. It's yeah. like when it's like when you have a character come out as gay, and then that's all the character talks about all the time. Yeah, and it's like, well, either they're a multifaceted character or they're not. And if they're not, then no, I don't. I'm not he's interested. Dealing with it as a new thing, right? So you get he just every, every comic he shows up in, Josh. Yeah, like well, I'm not reading all those. So well, uh, well, the, uh, but the thing is also is that like they're kind of, like a part of me really likes the approach that Marvel's taking because they're kind of having a, a fuck it anything goes. I I agree with you. You know, but then part of me, part of me, but then another part of me says like gets annoyed by that because I also know that because of that it, it, it's it's too chaotic. And also, like I again, like Squirrel Girl, I don't see how this book exists. Like continues, you know. Like so, you've got you've got a team of with LMD Dum Dum Duggan with Zombie Jasper Sitwell and and uh, Orgo and Man Thing and Hit Monkey and 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 Teen Abomination. Like it's just like they 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 like I like the fuck it try anything, but at the same time it feels like but we don't care, you know. Like I it, just don't know what the I don't know what the point is. Right. Yes. Well, I, I don't know what the, well, yeah. No, I get that. Get but your I, dollars. We've seen this enough times now that like it doesn't it hardly ever catches on. And even if it does, it's not it's not forever. And maybe that's the point. Like you, you know, we're going to sell issues for you're going to sell six issues worth of this and, yeah. and then move on to the next thing. And I think that's the point. Um Well, yes, that's the point. It's a well, it's a weird choice because it's not it feels like that's a niche thing. It's not like a thing that is going to be super popular, going to make a lot of money. And you know, in the middle of this, I was realized I was like, "Oh, that's that's Agent Sitwell, who is the zombie." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, yeah, I, is that okay?" But at the okay. same time, like, I don't, I just, I don't know. It's it's just like, it's like a mashup of of like these things that just seems silly i don't yeah, know right that, like, that, like, like the idea is funny at first but then you got to run with it right which is exactly LM, which is the lmd thing like oh that's kind of cool and oh we're gonna do this forever though yeah um yeah like that's the thing like i like this isn't this there's no way this makes 20 issues you know and like but you know what i i like okay. it no, nothing I like, has to go 20 issues yeah. no and i don't think it has to I, I i think that's true i like that you know it's a defense it's it is a defender's vibe we're gonna put all these things together what the yeah. hell let's see what happens yeah. uh, or you know the superior foes of spider-man was in it. like it worked it was enjoyable it was fun yeah so that's the point, I think, which seems to me odd from a sales perspective. But if they want to make comics like that, uh, that's fine. Yeah, and, and part of it is is whether or not they're they're you know because a lot of times some of these stuff like they know it's not going to go past a certain p- point. They're going to put it out there. They're letting the editors and the creators have fun with it, and then they're they're you know part of it is is seeing these you know creators who are established but not established in the Marvel world. You know that's how they go up the ranks. You know, and so yeah. you know if that's what it's got to do, it's got to do. I mean, it's a it's a you know interesting, amusing. I'm not a big Hit Monkey fan, you know, but some people are. But you know, it had it had the cliche Hit Monkey panel of him with both guns, which I've seen. In everything you know like it just i don't know it's just, uh, yeah it sounds like to me it sounds like a book written for the internet yeah possibly or or some corner that you know of a of a store and the internet that enjoy this stuff but yeah but good for them i'm glad they're getting work and and i like seeing new ideas and so we'll see if it takes off who knows i thought it looked good it was yeah. just drawing a bunch of crazy monsters I was, yeah. I was i was a fan of that all right so those are the books that uh that we deemed worthy of talking about this week uh and uh i'm sure there'll be more next week because they just never stop 
Uh, <laughs> like the mail, Jerry. Yeah, let's. It's like speaking of the mail. Let's go into our mailbox and dip into some of your questions that came in via email. And our first one comes from Eric from Minneapolis, um, which is he had a question that we've answered many, many times before, but I thought it's always good to answer while, again. Yeah. So uh, Eric says, I would love to get some original art to decorate my place, but I have a hard time getting to cons to buy from the artist. What is the best place to buy art otherwise? Do you have places you usually go to get yours or sites you'd recommend? Thanks. Uh, and so basically, you know, where can you get original art and you don't need to go to cons to buy directly from the artists that helps. And sometimes you get really great prices, but there's a ton, a ton, a ton of places online with some really great artists that you can get. The first one that comes to mind is uh, cadence, uh, comic art, uh, which is available. Uh, they're on the web. What is their address? I'll find out. But, um, cadence, uh, represents is basically an art dealer. And represents uh, a ton of artists, including Declan Shalvey, Ryan Stegman, Jeff Lemire, um, you know, a lot of our favorite, Tom Fowler, Paul. That's Paolo. Yeah, yeah, Paolo. Yeah, Uh, Paolo runs it. Chris Burnham, Becky Cloonan, Gabriel Hardman, you know, uh, Trad Moore, you know, so, you know, James Stokoe. Um, so well, the thing about original art is that there's only a couple of dealers, so you can you can only have to hit yeah. up a couple of websites to find most of the art that you're looking. Yeah, at. yeah exactly. The, the problem there, is there, though, so much of it's not being done. It, you know, it's being done on computers now. Yeah, more there and was, more. There was, it, so there's less and less of original art out there. Yeah. You know, it's funny when I was reading that Chew issue, I was like, I want that Jaws page, and I thought it doesn't exist. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which which is I was like, no, oh, that's sad. Yeah. And I li- I literally don't like. I used to read through comics, and I'd like keep my eyes out for a page that I like and more often than not now it doesn't exist so yeah I mean, I, yeah I'm definitely I've definitely toned down my art collecting big time just well, you'd because, have to you, yeah. you ran out of warehouse space yeah exactly um, another another great dealer to check out is essential sequential and that's essential sequential.com and uh, it represents uh, um, Sean Murphy <laughs> Uh, Fiona uh, Fiona Staples, uh, Mateo Scalera, Ramon Perez, so folks like that. Does Fiona and Staples work physically? Like no, she doesn't. Paper? But what's what's really interesting is what she's done is um, so she works all digitally. But what they do is they bang out prints. Mm-hmm. Like so, every cover of of Saga is pretty much available as a print. If you like something, you can get it for twenty five bucks as a as a great print. They're doing that's really uh, cool. They're doing the the, the Gislee or whatever that G I C L E whatever yeah. the You know they did Gisley? that for yeah they did that for the Saga twenty five double double you know like double you know spread cover. You can get that as like a nice version. So like they're they're figuring out what's interesting. Artists who work digitally are figuring out ways to make physical art that you can buy via these dealers. So that's kind of cool too. Um, and also but also. Um, essential sequential helps facilitate commissions as well too, which is a big thing too. Um, but and I know uh, that I know that the guys who are working with with Cadence Art, like he loves, like he that's his job, that's his thing, and all those artists like him and want to work with him. So like that's a good that's a good setup. It's very- yeah. But 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 if you want even more resources, I would honestly um, recommend you check out our friends over at Eleven O'clock Comics on their discussion forum because they actually have a. Um, a whole section dedicated to original art, and I believe they've got uh, like a. I believe they have a a post that is like, here's all the places to get art from, you know, and like list all these dealers like Splash Page Art and Cadence and and Essential Sequential and stuff like that. So there, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of um, uh, great resources over there on their forum. So go check that out. So. All right, Dan from Melbourne, Australia, writes and says, First off, just want to say I only discovered this show within the last six months, and I have been smashing through older episodes to catch up a bit. Love your work. It's filled the void with a show I loved, finished, and after a big gap of podcasts, it simply just sucked. You guys are my new go-to comics podcast. You guys know your stuff, and I dig it a lot. Um, apologies for the long question, but it's, I think it's worth it. On episode 507, you guys reviewed a I Hate Fairyland, and Ron said he would give this to his nine-year-old niece. 
I didn't pick up the book, so I didn't know the rating, but I assumed teens because of the cover looked somewhat violent. Anyway, my girlfriend has a nine-year-old sister, and for her birthday, I bought her Miss Marvel Volume 1, and her parents said it was inappropriate for her age group, which spun me out because I read it and thought Kamala was a great role model for young girls. This is all one, one sentence. Do you think <laughs> I, I was wrong for... Do you think I was wrong, or are you her parents going over the top? My girlfriend did mention there were adult themes, but nothing a kid who's reading the Hunger Games novels couldn't figure out. Also, what else would you recommend for a nine-year-old girl just getting into comics, women in comics to look up to, or just some kick-ass stuff kids would love? Oh, <sighs> some periods well, in there, man. Well, J- well, Josh is the only parent on the co- on on the show. Right nine-year-old now, so. girl. I only know <laughs> about children up to the age that my children are. <laughs> Anything past that, it's like a, like if a seven-year-old talks to me, I'm like, I don't know. Well, my, my my opinion is that her parents are being too uptight. Yes, that's my opinion. Well, so. this is the, I, I think about this kind of thing a lot because I remember that when I was there's nothing uh, parents love hearing more. Someone else tell them they're being up too uptight. No, well they're not, <laughs> so it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> um, they're not here the show. So like you, you guys all like when we grew up in the '80s, we watched the three channels that were available. And you know we would watch stuff that was clearly that was clearly inappropriate, but we I were think fine. Over coddling of things going on right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I remember, like I watched Three's Company incessantly. Yep. Oh yeah. It was on all the time. Well, do you want to the do you want to the problem with Three's Three's Company was that I was told explicitly by my parents do not watch Three's Company, and Three's Company was on in reruns at 5 p.m. and my parents got home at six, mm-hmm. and so what did I do? You watch your yeah, company. of course. Yeah, because I was and told I was told not to. It was it was it was taboo, you know. But so. not just through his company. I mean, I watched. Right, that's the best uh, example. Hill Street Blues. Yeah. Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. Dallas. I mean, these are all. And I was a little kid. I yeah. mean, you know what GI Joe comics were like. I watched Falcon Crest. Yeah. I mean, they sold us GI Joe comics that were based on a man trying to work through his Vietnam issues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's what we we did. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Now I didn't read all of Ms. Marvel, but it seemed pretty. Yeah, it's pretty. It's really tame. Pretty it's tame. really tame. I mean, really but, tame. But, but it's that, really tame. But that said, there's stuff that I believe that there's stuff for a nine year old girl that might not trigger these parents to freak out. And I, I the, the first thing that comes to mind is the uh, Raina Tel- Telmeyer's um, work. Raina uh, Tel- Yeah, Raina Telgemeier, uh Smile is the one that jump jumps out at me. It's a graphic novel, perfect for a nine year old girl. Um, Unless she's looking for badass like action. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Well, that. But I was gonna say then I, I would recommend Lumberjanes too. You know, Lumberjane, Lumberjanes is is not superhero-y, but there's a lot of action and there's a lot of and there's a lot of fun and it's very relatable and it's you know it's been a hit with kids that age. So yeah, I mean those are those are my recommendations. So. Um, it's tough because actually my my wife just told me as I was coming down here she's like Oliver's starting to take your comics off the shelf and look at them because he's interested in them and I just went there are no appropriate comics there. And I started to So Oliver, what did you what, what did you think of Sin City? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly like. Even listen, like, shadow work on her nipples. <laughs> listen, I could see I could see a kid your son's age reaching for Lost Girls because the art was very. You know, well, he'd reach for it, it would, he would grab it, it would fall on him and <laughs> knock him uh, out. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a tough one. You actually, Ron, you actually have, have spent more time around nine-year-old girls than I have. <laughs> your nieces. You have your nieces. And, and, like, so you would understand more. Like, my kid really liked Tiny Titans. Actually, yeah. a lot of that was over his head. Well, that, for but, a nine-year-old, that's going to be a little... Yeah, Tiny Titans is a little kitty, I think. I, but no, but, but my niece, who is now 12, Jesus Christ... Um, Throughout her elementary school years, she loved Tiny Titans. Like going, yeah. you know, go, going from like first grade up, she was all about Tiny Titans. But 
a couple of years ago, I gave her Lumberjanes, and that's the that's the one she's all about now. And I also got her uh, Raina Telmeyer Smile and and the other books that came after it. Um, you know, Valentine's is good because it's in the best Looney Tunes tradition. There's jokes that are go over yeah. a kid's head, but there's a lot of jokes that are squarely for the kids. Yeah. I know a book that uh, that we've been reading a lot lately um, from Oni called Sketch Monsters, written yeah. by uh, Josh Williamson, who uh, does a lot of great comics uh, with Image and. He's doing Marvel now too, I think. Um, it's about a little girl who like represses her feelings, and she draws them into a sketchbook, and all the monsters in the sketchbook come alive until she lets her feelings out, and then they go back into the sketchbook. Yeah. Um, it's totally appropriate and I'm fine. Gonna, and good. I want to recommend a book I read on the plane just yesterday. Uh, we talked about it in the show, but I had finally read all the issues. It was a giant size little Marvel, little Marvel AVX, which was a Battle World book actually, but it was by, written and drawn by Scotty Young. It was all about the Avengers and X Men as kids fighting each other over uh, the the attentions of the two new kids in town. And it was like, it was a perfect Scotty Young all ages book that wasn't as violent or adult as uh, I Hate Fairyland. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that that one. I, if they didn't like Ms. Marvel, I don't think you should, you should yeah. give her. It's, 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 it's a bunch of. Oh, I Hate Fairyland for sure. Not. No, 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 no. That was a way more adult than Miss Marvelous. Um, as much as it as much as it hates to uh, as much as it, I, I cringe to recommend it, uh, Bee and Puppycat from Boom probably is pretty good. Uh, very in the Sailor Moon Powerpuff Girls kind of vein. Uh, Why do you hate to recommend it? Well, it's just because it's so bubblegum and it's not my not like I don't like it, but I, I think a nine year old girl might. You like mean it. a thirty eight year old man isn't have the same taste as a nine year old girl? It's shocking. And, and- and can recognize that that maybe the other thing isn't horrible because of that. <laughs> you're you're growing, my friend. I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Check out check out all those. I think Sketch Watches is, is probably a really good one. Yeah. Uh, but it sounds like the parents of that person are have their own level of what's appropriate. So keep that in mind. Right. All right, Josh. Why don't you take us home with the last email? Jason from Pittsburgh. <clears throat> in regards to the Star Wars fatigue and media blackout. Appropriate. Yeah, we're going to end the show with Star Wars. There it is. You guys <laughs> seem to know a lot from, about different forms of media, and this is something I thought about for a long time, at least three hours. Well, let's not, let's not call that long. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, so you get, it's like you're, you're, you're starting your thesis. That's the lead-up, yeah. That's, that's really just, you're just the opening paragraph there, pre-pro, buddy. Pre-pro. Pre-pro, yeah. yeah. Uh, I have been led to believe that this, we should just stop this until he comes back and has, has a good 16 hours into it. Yes, yes. I have been led to believe that the marketing campaign for a movie can have almost the same budget as the movie itself. True. At this point, for the new Star Wars, there have been two teasers, one full trailer, comic books, prose books, toys, product tie-ins, costumes, record-breaking IMAX, and opening night ticket sales, and on and on. What is the point of spending so much on marketing, the same could be said of Avengers, Hunger Games, etc., of these known franchises? Is there anyone out there who could be interested in The Force Awakens that simply doesn't know about it? It is impressive that with all this stuff, they really still haven't revealed much about the actual story. Do we have on this show a marketing professional? Yes, but before Ron jumps in, I want to throw my two cents in because Ron is a marketing professional. I will defer to him on this. Uh, but I have three points. First, if you recall, Ron, you and, you and I and Viscardi argued about whether or not they would reveal too much about Star Wars, and I told you I didn't think so. Yep. And you guys disagreed with me. Yep. And you thought it would get the Avengers Ultron treatment, and it didn't. Yep. So, not well, well, hey, we're not there yet. We still got two months to go. But it's yes, so as of as of this point, yes, you were correct. They they are, yeah, they they are they are erring on the side of caution, and and, and which I'm glad to see. I'm, I'm glad I was wrong about that. So my two two responses to this, and then I'll let you take, run with this, Ron, is that number one, 
and this is actually true, uh, that a lot of very expensive marketing executives have to justify their jobs. I, yep. I, I was going to say, I was gonna say uh, at least 60% of those marketing budgets are ego and self-preservation. And number two, uh, it's not about just the movie grosses. They make as much, if not more, money from the toy tie-ins and all the yeah. stuff that's considered marketing. That, that's Disney's bread and butter. Yeah, they make yeah. way more money in the toys, product tie-ins, prose books, comic books, not the yeah. comic books, costumes, rec- you know, all that stuff is what actually, it's where the real money for the movie's made, as, yeah. as Yogurt once told us. Yeah, I, I was. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say the same thing. I mean, yeah, kind of. You nailed so you it. Saturate I mean, the zeitgeist of the industry, and then all those kids go. I want that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the don't mistake. Uh, I mean, the 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 books and the toys and the costumes and all that sort of stuff have marketing elements to them. But it's but yeah, but it's mainly licensing and, and as a profit center and that sort of thing. Ancillary um, sales. Yeah, exactly. I want to go back and focus on the concept of someone who's interested in the Force Awakens that doesn't know about it. Right. I really want to find that person. I want to find them. Like, what is this Star Wars thing I keep hearing about? Like, <laughs> if we buy one more round of banner ads, we're going to get that final right, yeah. undecided voter. <laughs> I mean, but the thing is, is that like, there's a weird, there's a weird, weird thing that happens in marketing, especially in in entertainment and media and stuff like that, where you know, there's an old adage that you've got you you, you got to spend money and make money, right? And and what's fascinating is to see is like like this idea is like well you know we need to spend a hundred million dollars to promote this movie that everyone knows about that is in the cultural zeitgeist and and it becomes kind of this chicken and the egg kind of thing where it's like you know would you know if they spent zero dollars and did nothing would it have the same results? Some would say yes, some would say no. You and know, the thing like, is that the marketing uh, the VP of marketing who who okays that strategy and the movie yeah. bombs yep. is now fired on Monday. Yep, and, and never and, and much and, easier to spend that budget that they expect you to spend and keep your job. Yeah, then you can blame it on the film and not the marketing. Yep, and th- then say, you know what, we don't need to market Star Wars. I'm just not going to do it. Yep. And then it only it only makes two hundred million dollars opening weekend, and the marketing executive is fired. That's yep. Yep, and that that's, is why those things happen. That's the reality. The other, you know, the other part of it is that every Monday at their morning stand up or whatever, the marketing folks have to go in and be like, "Okay, here's what we did," and they have to name stuff. You know, they got to do things. So, so there's this team of people constantly making deals and and getting mentions and pushing things out there, and like that's it's the job. Yep. And so, and there's more people doing that now than there's ever been. In fact, so they're when more they're, powerful now than they've ever been. The, the, yeah. CM, the CMO is becoming the most powerful C, C-level person in most companies now. Yeah. Because it's all so, about marketing. So there you go. That yeah. was exciting. It's fascinating. It's more corporate, corporate business structure talk of this show. Yeah. Well, it, you know, yeah, it's interesting people, how it affects that's what kids tune in for, Josh. It's what they tune in for. It's, <laughs> let's discuss how the C-suite operates. Well, we can. <laughs> On a C-suite. Listen to you. (laughs) Wow. You used to be the guy who hated talking like that. Look at you now. (laughs) The words. CMO. If you're if you're ever bored, go just go look up uh, marketing failures. It's, it's it's fascinating to see what 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 was attempted by some folks and, uh, and no, there's no like real like did it work? Mm-hmm. Did it not work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's no there's no way to really prove it. Yeah. There's no metrics to drive that. Yeah. All right, so you can contact us. You can contact us at email at ifanboy.com. You can email us at contact at ifanboy.com. That's how you get on the show. Join the discussion. If you want us to talk about more C-level stuff, we will do it. Just send the emails in to contact at ifanboy.com or call our voice by line at 888-FANBOY-326-2697. We've been getting a lot more emails since you came back, Ron. Which is great, yeah. I don't know what that means. but yeah. uh, They really stopped you, writing to me and Connor. They're like, we, we heard what you have to say. 
So if you uh, do send us an email or you call our voicemail line, tell us who you are and where you're from. And if you call the voicemail line, keep it around 30 seconds. We'd like to know where people are from. We'd like to know where we're penetrating. We'd like to know if you're from Melbourne. So uh, also we've mentioned a couple times in the show, uh, we have another podcast called Goodfellas Minute that comes out every Monday through Friday in which we, the three of us and sometimes a special guest, discuss the Martin Scorsese film Goodfellas, one minute at a time. The Wait, are you guys so- still doing that? Wait, I th- why didn't... <laughs> oh, yeah, so uh, that's going to go on through next April? Next May? April, yep. It's April, so that's every Monday through Friday. If you want to hear us talk about Goodfellas, we're about 15 or 20 minutes, and uh, it's fun. There's a lot of comedy and laughs to be had. Uh, and, you can find and all we- that at goodfellasminute.com. And we've got a special guest coming up this week, actually, right? This week we have special guest Jeff Kanata, who's yeah. been on the show many times and is a big Goodfellas fan. And brings an interesting perspective because he is an actor. So he, he, there's a lot of interesting nice. discussion there about what actors He's also an Italian. Are. He's also an Italian. So he and Ron discuss yeah. a lot. It's actually, it, it doubles the Italian quotient, which is a lot of Italians. <laughs> a I lot like, of Italian. I think yeah. the law says you can't have that many Italians congregating in one spot. Hey, Probably hey. because there's a criminal conspiracy happening. <laughs> so there's, if there's you like borderline racist discussion, also have a Finally, an, eth- <laughs> an ethnic group that we can really go after publicly. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Head over to GoodfellasMinute.com. You're my Italian friend. I can say it. It's fun. <laughs> I got a picture with you and me next to each other. Hey. Hey. All right. So uh, you can go over to iFanboy.com if you like the show and you want to talk about this week's books with other folks who like the show as well, too, as well as find all of our previous podcasts and things like that. Um, and, of course, if you're on the social medias, you can follow us uh, at iFanboy on Facebook and on Twitter. And you can follow us all individually. I don't know why you'd want to because it's just a bunch of nonsense. Uh, you can follow us. Uh, you can follow Josh at, at J.A. Flanagan, Connor at SCS Kilpatrick, and I'm at Ron XO. And uh, we talked about supporting the show earlier, but one of the other things you can do is uh, to write a review on iTunes or share links about it. Or this is this is us doing marketing. Um, you know, uh, let people know if you if you like the show or you think somebody else might like might like the show. Uh, spread the word. Uh, make it go around on the social media or God forbid in the real world. <laughs> Put it on a thumb drive. Put it in a bottle. Airplane. Oh, that's a good idea. That's, we haven't done that in a while. We, 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 covered we should the also bottle, like, tether that bottle to another bottle that's got like a device in it so they can actually... Mm-hmm. You know, They're going to be cheaper cool. now. Yeah. If somebody on like a d- deserted island in the South Pacific gets the thumb drive, that's not going to help them, but they need another bottle that follows them with a computer and then a following bottle that has some sort of power supply generator situation. There's a lot of title issues that could come up there and make that an incomplete <laughs> transaction. <laughs> you got to make sure you got to make sure the paper trail is correct. That's yeah. a- <laughs> just yeah. put a note in there: bottle one of seven. And then how many they're waiting for? This sounds like I'm, I'm missing three. God damn it! <laughs> damn it. I just see <laughs> the bottle with the cables in it. Oh. This, is, this is this is poor marketing. You can see how you can easily the budget can just explode. Right. Need seven bottles for each person. Yeah. Right. So fourteen, just in case you lose one. Uh, I, I I believe that's all for this show. That that is it. I think we've completed this. <laughs> you know, uh, thanks for listening this week. Tune in next week for our tenth anniversary episode. Oh God, oh, is, is it next it? week? Next week's our tenth anniversary. Oh, God, we oh, I to, I get something down to the, the week. The weekend of uh, that is our tenth anniversary. So this was our tenth anniversary year. And next week is officially our tenth anniversary episode. So tune in next week for that. Until then, I'm Connor. I'm Ron. I'm Josh. 